broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Hey, we got a great show coming up for you here this morning. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Open Lines Friday. Yeah, that's still the plan. Barring something else crazy uh, kicking off and, and uh, throwing a last-minute guest into the mix in the 9 o'clock hour. That's what we got coming up for you in one hour. Open phone lines for anything and everything you want to talk about. Uh, so this was kind of funny. So uh, I, I had a special guest lined up for you at 840 this morning. 8.40 Mountain Time. Well, he thought it was 8.40 Eastern Time. <laughs> so I get a phone call from Mark Lauder, former special assistant to President Trump with the America First Policy Institute. He's great. He's been here to Montana before, and uh, and we've had him on the show a few times. And uh, and so so I had a great conversation with him. It was funny because I started off, I'm like, man, I don't even know what we were going to talk about because, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get ready for everything else all morning long. And so I, I'll, I'll usually wait till about 8.00. 835 to to look at my calendar and be like okay what are we talking to Mark Lauder about but we just jumped right into it and we had a great conversation talking about all the big major news of the day so uh so I want to I want to cue that up for you around 840 at least part of it if not all of it cuz uh yeah great conversation great insight from former special assistant to President Trump, Mark Lauder. But here in the first uh, half of the program, we got a great guest for you already in studio as well, Montana Superintendent of Public Instruction, Elsie Arnson. Uh, Elsie, great to see you as always. Good to see you. It's good to be back in Yellowstone County. Was in um, Hardin, Big Hardin County uh, on Wednesday. We are listening to students. I mean, if we're going to change the paradigm of public education, let's let's really talk to the children, the students. So we were at Hardin High School. We give a big shout out to Toby. Uh, Tobin came from Lockwood, and now he is serving as a superintendent there in Hardin. But it is so exciting to really understand what kids are saying. Biggest thing that I took away from that is uh, they don't know who their teacher is going to be next year because they have such a uh, flow of teachers that come in and out of school. And teachers do lead, and we want to make sure that there's the best teacher in front of a student. But it's also about relationships. And that's the one thing that I heard from Harden. Really pleased to have uh, Levi uh, Black Eagle there. He is uh, part of the tribal government there at Crow, and he has been very supportive of what we're trying to do in education. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely want to talk all sorts of edu- education topics here this morning. In, in big picture, uh, here you are. You're you're rolling into your final year as superintendent of public instruction. You were the first Republican elected to lead OPI in what thirty plus years? Thirty two years. Thirty two years, and then you got reelected. And of course, uh, boy, did we need you in that in that position during all the COVID craziness when standing up for parents and standing up for kids against these these stupid mask mandates and these lockdowns and all the other craziness the left was was trying to pull. And and you stood up to some of those double A superintendents who uh, apparently got intimidated by you and your high heels. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I also want to give a big shout out to the legislature. They went ahead and passed school choice, so now parents are back in that driver's seat and making sure that their children are put first. It's not about government. It's about our families. All right. Well, that's to talk about with Superintendent of Public Construction, Elsie Arnson. Quick break here on Montana Talks, and we'll jump into it right after this. Uh, and uh, and then, hey, after a few minutes, we'll start taking your phone calls as well. If you've got a quick question or a comment, 294-0970. Hey, hey. 
Chicago. One of our soldiers in Afghanistan, Puerto Rican guy, he'd always say that. Uh, he's from Chicago. And, and I got to thinking, you know, after Thursday's Montana Talks, hey, hey, Friday. It's already Friday in Montana Talks time. We got a great show coming up for you Friday. I think we're going to have open phones for the full hour. Earlier this week, I mentioned this Jordan Peterson podcast about what they're doing to the farmers of Europe. Did any of you see that? I, I'd love to get your take. Open phones Friday, Montana Talks, 9 to 10 statewide. This is where Montana talks. Before we get to, we're going to get to our callers right after this break. Francis and Big Fork, you're up first, young lady. But before that, an important public service announcement to all the illegal aliens out there. Reminder, free health care for illegal aliens in California. Public service announcement, free health care for illegal aliens in California. Just in case any of you are still hanging around Bozeman or anywhere else for that matter. Talking about the issues that matter to Montana statewide, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Well, we've got uh, Montana Superintendent of Public Instruction, Elsie Arnson, in the house with us here today in her uh, final eighth year as Superintendent of Public Instruction after resting, uh, wrestling the, the, that, uh, that one office back uh, from the Democrats after 30 years of destruction on, on that front. And, oh, boy, did the radical left-wing teachers unions, boy, have they been ticked every single one of those eight years. Uh Elsie, these teachers unions, it's just amazing to me uh, that the the so school district two in Billings, you were a school teacher in school district two, public school teacher, and you were a state legislator. The, the teachers themselves voted overwhelmingly against, and I won't even say what it was they were against, uh, but yet the teachers union failed to stand up for their teachers on something their teachers were overwhelmingly against. Now we've got this big debate about a book about assassination classroom on high school library bookshelves. And the, I, I guess the teachers union is okay with a book about assassinating teachers being on on the bookshelves. I, yeah. I just these people are nuts and in the in the union leadership, not the teachers themselves, right. but the union leadership. So, fifteen miles down the road at Laurel, that book was removed, and those trustees were very courageous. It's not about the book; it's making sure that the community has um, a voice in the collection that happens in the library. This book, assassination classroom is extremely sexually graphic. I've seen the so, images, yeah. yeah not yep. just about the theme about killing teachers, but uh, the vote here in School District 2 to keep it was 5 to 4, which gives us a little bit of hope. I did talk to Superintendent Garcia um, after the vote, and I asked for his reflection. He's going to bring more families and more community information into what is that collection policy look like but number one we need to see what children are reading it ha if it has educational value then of course it's never about banning books it's aligning to the state standards that i put forward that the board of public ed uh, puts 
out there for all of our schools. And then the school districts purchase curriculum, buys books and everything with that precious taxpayer dollar. So we need to make sure that we all come together on this. This is about good education materials in our public classrooms. This is not about sexualizing our children. Yeah, it's about age-appropriate content and restrictions. If you can't walk into a gas, I mean, a gas station and see some of this stuff with, with, for kids, then why, why is it on You know, some of the other sexualized material? Why is it on uh, uh, school bookshelves? Uh, speaking of school books, I just thought this was, well, it was, it was disgusting the way the left was, was opposing Dennis Prager and Prager U., uh, but I just had to laugh. So apparently, uh, you know, apparently not every book uh, that's available in America makes it on school bookshelves. Well, uh, yeah, what's interesting, so, there was a, a piece of legislation. In fact, there were two that said that uh, and it had to be in law. Think about the, uh, the, the common sense that's lacking right now. You can have the Bible right now because of legislation that a student can read at uh, free reading time. You also, another piece of law that was put into play, that an adult, a teacher, or students can talk about the Bible in school. So I think that is really very much, in, in, it's, it's who we are traditionally. The other piece of legislation is that you can pray in school. Now that's always been there, but this, uh, this time in this legislative session, we had to double down in Montana for traditional Montana values, American values. And common sense is and out the door. And just free speech. And just free, free speech. speech. And, and the Bible is, is not, just, not just for people who believe in it, uh, yeah. is not just a, a book of, of, of faith and a religious uh, material. It's a historical document. And how would you not talk about uh, the the one book that has had the greatest impact on world history ever? How would you do this? Ah, now we're going to ignore that when we talk world history. You just can't do it. Just like you can't talk about the Middle East without talking about religion. Um, but what, what was absolutely hysterical but also shameful on the part of the, the radical left and the, the union act leadership activists was so apparently in order for these schools to buy books, uh, you, you just have, have to have a license in Montana to sell your books or something. And then the schools can choose what whether or not they want to buy books. So you didn't tell schools you have to buy Dennis Prager's Prager U books for your school. You said, okay, your material, you've got a license, you can sell your books in the state of Montana. And then the schools can decide, yeah, we want to buy this, we want to buy that, or we don't. And the left, the same leftist activists that would defend assassination classroom or uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the sexual propaganda targeting kids, they would defend that. But they wanted to ban Dennis Prager. They didn't even want him to have a license to sell books in Montana. So they'll defend, you know, they'll defend, uh, you know, assassination classroom. But by golly, they want to ban the Jewish guy's books from being on on bookshelves in Montana. They're exactly. Nuts. We're also looking for uh, at a company right now that talks about values. So what does it mean to have any kind of a value of character and um, allowing them to come in to our public libraries, our school libraries as well. And uh, they basically I can't tell them no and I can't tell them yes. If they have a surety bond with the Secretary of State, uh, we let them in. So I think there's a balance that everybody is seeking right now. I'm going to come back to the words common sense. You know, that's where education should be. We want the best teacher in our classrooms. We want the best material in our classroom. Our children are first. Now, now careful, you're talking about common sense. <laughs> now the union activists, they're going to want to ban Thomas Paine from the bookshelves. So, uh, know. you know, so <laughs> got to be careful. Here's what the union is also doing. Um, I'm a conservative, so I have... 
I have buildings in uh, the Capitol Complex. And when I first got into office, I had four. I'm down to one. And they're angry. That's that I'm awesome. saving taxpayer dollars. Yeah. Yeah, why do you need this massive chunk of real estate for a bunch of bureaucrats? Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's great. Well, let's talk about that. Plus, she's going to be in Miles City later today. What's she doing in Miles City? We'll, we'll start there right after this. Where Montana talks. Julie in Whitefish. It seems like everything is, is tense, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of people are just reacting instead of responding. God is the one that gives us grace. He's the only one that can take a wild heart and tame it. And we all can benefit from some wisdom. Even a fool is considered wise when they hold their tongue. Okay? <laughs> so a lot of us... I try to remind myself of that one as much as possible. <laughs> I, I sometimes forget. Hey, I'll tell you what, if you guys missed Thursday's show in the 7 o'clock hour of Montana Talks, the great David Noble was in the house with us, usually every Thursday here on Montana Talks. We had a great conversation. We really talked about this story out of Glasgow, Montana. This child removed from her parents, put into a state care facility, and they're transitioning her. What's this, the real story there? We broke it down with great insight. Full audio on our Montana Talks podcast. Check out the app. Get it on your phone. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. You know, it's it's funny. You never know what we're going to talk about on this show. I was going to start with Miles City, and then, boy, we started talking about a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, always great to have Elsie Arnson in the house with us here on Montana Talks. So, Miles City, you're going to be in Miles City later today. They've already moved to a four-day-a-week uh, school uh, in Miles City already. In Miles City. It's the first, uh, this is the first year that they've implemented this. And if we're all about workforce development and teachers, they're, we're a workforce. So what do we do on that, uh, that Friday? So where is childcare? And education is not daycare. We are not childcare, but I have 117. Sometimes teachers feel like that's how they're, they're expected and, to be, unfortunately. And our yeah. workforce in Montana, uh, we are churning. We are a very old state, but our teacher workforce is young. So they have families, and there needs to be flexibilities. But I have 400 school districts, and 117 right now are four-day work week. And they're rural, and they are urban. So we are just really wondering and asking how is this teacher retention going to happen uh and also for our our little kids they have a longer school day during those first four days and it's great for sports it's great for engagement maybe some acceleration in learning or remediation can happen on that day so it's local control everybody go to your school board meetings talk to your trustees visit with your teachers do the best that you can for children well and i just i've i've heard that a lot more and more schools have moved to that four day a week which can sound great for a uh, you know a number of reasons but i've heard it can be really challenging to get all that information in and kind of overwhelm kids during the four days a week to try to pump in five days a week worth of material but what's the meeting today in mile city uh, 
we got the uh, Farmers Union. So it's Eastern Montana, and we're talking about ag women. We're talking about the ones that are really behind the farmers and the ranchers in Montana. So I'm very blessed that I get to be a part of this. They're a triangle, and one of their pillars is education. So we're going to uh, visit about ag education in classroom, and we're going to talk um, about where we can go with the next farm bill and how uh, important that is for Montana. We want to know uh, where our products come from, where our beef comes from, and I think our consumers in Montana want to know the same thing. So one of the big challenges at the federal level and, and at the state level is just uh, big, massive bureaucracies, Bureau- bureaucracies in the federal government, bureaucracies in the state government. Now, we have many vital, very important state government employees and, and, and services. And it's been kind of funny to watch because with, with the Republican supermajority in the legislature and Governor Greg Gianforte, I think the public employees have realized, oh, wait a minute, these guys are our friends because they're making government better. They're running government better and, and, and they're boosting incentives. First, first year teachers have gotten more incentives and, and pay raises that they didn't get under 16 years of Democrat governors that only did whatever the big union bosses told them to do. And so that's fascinating. But, but look, we don't need, uh, this big massive bureaucracy and, and you're seeing that at the office of public instruction so so while some people you know, go to helena or to washington and expand the bureaucracy you're actually selling some real estate or not exactly and it's it's exciting because we're giving choice to our employees um we have 400 school districts and over 830 schools across our beautiful state and everybody is supporting schools and community so rather than having employees live in helena where the real estate market is sky high we have them living in all of the counties where our schools are in our communities and our individuals that are serving our grade schools are serving their families they're teleworking and uh, great productivity is there because they are are uh, the heart of the community. They are that uh, government employee that is really serving families and children in where they live. So yeah, and, then great you get, model. and then you get out of that bubble because look, Hel- Helen is a great community. And uh, there's a lot more friendlies in Helena now after all these Republicans have gotten elected. But but everybody can get stuck in their own little bubble. And I've talked about the Helena bubble. The Democrats really had a bad Helena bubble because you know, basically, they became the I ninety corridor. I mean, they're the they're the university district out of Missoula and Bozeman, and Helena. That's the Democrat Party right now, and so they never get out of their bubble, and they got in their own echo chamber, and and the radical left ran their party, and to a certain extent, uh, we as conservatives can get into our own bubbles as well, or just people in state government, whether conservative or not. Everybody can get into our bubble if everybody's consolidated in the same place, but. So why wouldn't you have the ability to work for a state agency but live in Kalispell or Hardin or wherever? And then you see things from Helena's perspective because you work for these organizations, but you also get out there and see what's going on in a normal everyday school district and, and talk to normal everyday folks. And I think that makes a big difference. So, as, But as a result, you don't need these massive buildings cost, costing the taxpayers a bunch of money, these massive parking lots. And the space was starting to free up anyway. So, yeah, why keep bilking the taxpayers? Well, and the other part of the – these are old buildings. These are, are – they're not healthy buildings for employees as well. So we are – we've done a great effort 
taking those four buildings down to one, making sure there's better workspace, air quality flow, all kinds of wonderful things. We have churned government in a manner that I'm very, very proud of. And you're spot on, Erin. If they have that Montana view in their very rural community, that's how they're going to serve at the state level. So it's a paradigm shift, and I'm really proud that we've given choice to our public employees. They're better for it, our communities are better for it, and our schools are. I know you're hard charging, and you've been focused on, you know, uh, reforming curriculum to focus more on civics education and and especially, you know, teach kids what America is really all about. Uh, and you've been trying to, you know, working to deliver reforms on that front and so many other things. And like I say, to clean up this 30-year mess that you inherited from Democrats just controlling that office. Um, with with about a year that or so that you have left, what are you still hoping to, to ram across the finish line? Well, uh, we are we've done so much innovation, and we school can't just be stuck. So we've unstuck school, and I think that's where those uh, superintendents didn't like that. I challenge them to do better. And isn't that who we are in Montana? We want better for our children. We want better in our public school system. So Montana's leading the right the way right now in an assessment. Rather than a one-size-fits-all, very old, archaic test that happens at the end of the year that has no tool for a teacher to recognize growth of that student, we're doing a through-year model where there's 15 minutes, little type of tests, and then we aggregate that, and we um, then send that to the federal government. We're the only state in the nation doing this. Next year... Every single third through eighth grade will be doing math and reading this way. We're in our second year of this pilot, and um, I'm really excited because Montana, as innocuous and a small state that we are, we are leading the nation in education reform. Well, and that's having a, a red state superintendent, red state legislature, red state uh, state leaders almost all across the board is what helps make that happen. I got to get your take. So you mentioned school choice and, and yeah, huge support for school choice. Charter schools got approved by the legislature, both public charter school opportunities and private uh, charter school opportunities. A liberal judge put a halt to the private charter schools for now. In Billings, one of the charter schools that they're proposing – would be solely focused on these so-called refugees, uh, multiple languages that they need to help learn English, cultural challenges like <clears throat> how to treat women in America when you're coming from Afghanistan. I know there's a lot of people that are very concerned about that in particular, especially when the schools aren't using all the resources that they have uh, right now. Exactly. You know, I think um, immigration is a big issue, but the invasion is a national issue. Uh, two weeks ago, I was so fortunate talked to the sheriff of Cochise County down in Arizona because everybody's worried about Texas right now, but everything is moving to Arizona. And um, I saw where President Trump was building the wall, and then I also saw when Biden came in and the wall stopped. So we have an invasion right now. Do you realize that there are more illegals coming across than babies being born in America. That means we're being replaced. So is it affecting Montana communities? It is. Is it going to affect education and all the other services that Montanas deserve? Or Americans have that right to? Of course it is. So 
looking at a community level right now, what's happening here in Yellowstone County, I need people to come and to go to those board meetings, talk to your teachers again, get in those classrooms, and really understand where public education is going. you got to let them know how you feel. Um, we're getting short on time, only uh, less than a couple of minutes to go here. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. You know, I, I haven't been scheduling candidate guests yet because, frankly, we haven't even hit the filing deadline. There isn't even technically really a race yet. Um, so I, so if, if candidates reach out and they want to be on the show, I'm like, hey, call in. Yeah, anybody can call into the show. But like, uh, but you have said that if Congressman Matt Rosendale decides not to run uh, for the House again, that you would step up and run uh, for Congress in that Eastern District. What do you think? Is he going to pull the trigger? And then are you ready to pull the trigger right after that? Of course. We're, you know, all the indication is that way. But I'm being very patient. And uh, I will not run against Matt Rosendale. Um, Eastern Montana is where my roots are. Um, I'm a fourth generation Montanan. And I know that I'm the best candidate with all the experience that I have to put our Montana values, our Montana families, and more importantly, our Montana treasures first. Um, I just spoke about uh, the illegal activity that's happening and how we are being replaced. It is so important that that issue has a voice in rural Montana. And when we say we are being replaced, we mean all of us, Native Americans, our res- Reservations are getting harder hit than the rest of us yeah, even. fentanyl. Uh, we were worried about methamphetamine. Now it's the fentanyl. And there's been more fentanyl that's come into our country in the last, oh, six, six months than ever before. And could kill, could kill Americans ten times over. And the mixture with all the other illegal drugs that we have, it's extremely challenging for our families. But back to the congressional run, I'm so honored to be able to be even thinking about this. And when I am sworn in in, in uh, 2025, it'll be 110 years since a woman has been represented in Montana. That's right. And since never Jeanette a grandmother Rankin. and never a mother. So send me to Congress and I'm going to be excited to put Montana families first. All right, Elsie Arnson, great to see you as always. Thanks for dropping in. I even, I, I just by chance, I wore my Elsie my Arnson red shirt well, today. Well, we're going to so. get you a pair of red glasses. <laughs> Better to see you with her. There you go. Blessings to Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. So I thought he was going to be joining us at 840 Montana time, i.e. right now. He had it scheduled for 8.40 Eastern Time. Uh, Mark Lauder, a former special assistant to President Trump, and uh, now with the America First Policy Institute. Always great uh, to join us on the show uh, from time to time, uh, covering all the big issues. So so anyway, so we get a phone call from him at 6.40 this morning, and I was like, well, what the heck? Let's just roll with it. I, I mean, I didn't want to say, well, let's reschedule it for... No, no, no. You got the chance to talk with Mark Lauder. We're going to talk to Mark Lauder. So, so I didn't even know... Uh, at that point, what we were planning to talk about. So I just thought, well, let's just roll right into it. Let's start with liberal Senator John Tester, the most important Senate race in the country this year. He's saying we, we've we got to have a border deal. Uh, Senator, no, we don't. Um, we just need the Trump policies put back in place. Yeah, the thing that John Tester's forgetting is that Joe Biden signed 94 executive orders undoing the Trump policies at the border in his first 100 days in office. So pretty much, you know, an executive order per day on average. 
And the reason why we have the mask is not because any law changed between now and then. It's because the president changed. His focus changed. He intentionally opened the border, and now we have the mess that we see. You know, the perfect example, in December of 2019, there were 40,000 illegal crossings at the southern border. In December of last year, there were 302,000. No law changed. Nobody was defunded. The only thing that changed was the guy in the White House. Exactly, exactly. And all they have to do is change back to those policies. I mean, was it 64 or 94 executive orders that Joe Biden signed to invite this in, uh, to allow for this invasion on our southern border? And if John Tester actually cared about securing our southern border, first off, we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place because his one seat in the United States Senate, one vote is powerful enough to force the administration's hand. So but but if he actually even if, if even if on election year talking points, he's not even using the right talking points because the talking points should be joe biden put the trump policies back in place that's all he's got to do exactly i mean it was nine it was 94 executive orders and here's here's the dirty secret about this bipartisan bill we still haven't seen it yet but we've seen enough about it leaked out they don't want more money for border and customs or border patrol agents to stop the flow of illegal immigrants they want more money to process more illegal immigrants into our country illegally that's all back you know earlier this year there was, there was an illegal immigrant who got a court date for 2031. And it wouldn't be until 2031 that we determined whether he was even here legally or not. But in the meantime, you know, he had a work permit so he could go to work and he could start living here. And then, you know, seven years down the road, we'll figure out if he's even legal to be here. Well, and speaking of illegal aliens, these illegal aliens that, that beat up the New York poli- uh, police officers, the New York City police officers in Times Square, uh, that this picture is symbolic of the Joe Biden, John Tester uh, regime. Uh, you know, here's this illegal alien. He he beats up uh, a couple of cops. They they actually arrest him. But then he doesn't even have to, to post a bond. He, he gets put right back out on the streets under their no bail policies. And there he is just giving two middle fingers literally to the American people. But that's what Joe Biden and John Tester are doing. Yeah, he's not saying America's number one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I mean, But this is the problem. I mean, we see it in, in not just in places like New York. We see it in Chicago. We see it all over the place. I mean, with, you know, you've even got 150 Democrats in Congress who have voted against deporting illegal immigrants who are arrested for drunk driving. Now, think of the people who are now at risk, the mom out shopping with her daughter, the, the dad taking the, the son to, to baseball or football practice or to go fishing. They are now at risk, and if they, if they get in the car drunk, kill you, they are not going to be deported. That is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Of course, uh, later today, uh, Joe Biden, and by the way, for, for those who, who don't re- remember, Mark Lauder is a former special assistant to President Trump, and so it's always great to catch up with him. He's been here to Montana. Um, later today, of course, the, the president is going to be doing what the president should be doing, rightfully so. He will be there for the uh, the dignified transfer of remains as our American troops who were killed on the Jordanian-Syrian border uh, come home. I, I said this yesterday when I first heard the news story. Would somebody just take his watch from him? You know, tell him you got to put a new battery in the watch just take the watch off his wrist because if he checks his watch one time today boy i'll tell you what you know obviously he's doing the right thing by that but we shouldn't even be having this conversation you know the, the fact that america and our men and women in uniform overseas have been attacked 165 times last time i checked by iranian-backed proxies iranian-backed militias iranian-backed terrorists and the only thing joe biden is seems 
capable of doing is launching a multi-million dollar missile into a tent in the desert shows you how weak and feckless he really is until he gets tough with Iran, the country that's actually funding these uh, groups, the ones that are providing the military equipment to these groups. And, you know, we've, we, I've said it before, I think I said it on Fox or somewhere the other day, is that we need to hit them where it hurts and let them know that this we've had enough of this. We need to take out some of their oil infrastructure or some of their naval assets where they're using to track shipping. But then we need to send a strong warning. The next cruise missile has the Supreme Leader's name on it. If this happens again, we are going to take this up a notch because you can't just sit there and use our troops for target practice because that's what they're doing, and it's all Iran. Mark Lauder, former special assistant to President Trump, uh, and, uh, and now with the America First Policy Institute, uh, 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 he's with us live right now, and he's able to join us for a couple more minutes. So, Mark, thanks for sticking around. The uh, the presidential race, you know, I, we got to see Donald Trump Jr. Uh, in Las Vegas at the Shot Show last week. He joined us on on Montana Talks, and it was great to catch up with him. And we talked about, hey, look. We, we can't be wasting all of this time before we take the fight to Joe Biden, before we unite and get in the fight, whether it's at the federal level or at the state level. We have got to take the fight to the other side right now. Uh, your thoughts on, on kind of what's going on uh, in the uh, presidential race right now on the Republican side? Yeah, I completely agree, Aaron. You know, I mean, look, the, the, the GOP nomination is over. Um, there is not a path forward, I don't see, for Nikki Haley. I mean, new poll came out yesterday that has her down 26 points to Donald Trump in her home state of South Carolina. And, and when you go home and the governor, the two senators, and, and almost all of your congressional delegation are supporting the other person, what does that tell you? But then even flash forward beyond that, I don't see a state that Nikki Haley can win, whether it's on Super Tuesday or whatever. Her best shot was New Hampshire, where Democrats and independents can basically cross over and play around in the primary. And she and she got beat handily there. And so what's going to happen when you get into these winner-take-all states? Uh, I just don't see that pathway forward. And to your point, every day that we are spending that's not talking about Joe Biden, not talking about the woke left progressive policies that are being supported by the Democrats in the Senate, which obviously your senator is, you know, one of the champions on or in Congress, is a missed opportunity because it's not enough that we just win the White House. We've got to control the House of Representatives. We need to get control back of the United States Senate for confirming judges, confirming folks, and, and keeping that woke, left, radical, pro-Hamas, anti-Israel uh, rhetoric that we see coming from the Democrats these days, put that where it belongs, you know, in the garbage heap. Yeah, and and I know I, I briefly mentioned it uh, before we tossed to the, the Sean Hannity commentary, the hard break there, but how crazy is this? All these attacks are, are you know, our, our fallen soldiers are, are being returned home today. All of these attacks on our troops, commercial vessels, military vessels, and yet the news out of, out of the Biden White House is, oh, we're going to be putting sanctions in place against Jewish civilians in the West Bank. What? Well, and yet, and yet uh, Iran still gets all their billions of dollars in oil money, continues to flow. Absolutely. I mean, th this crisis, whether it's in the Middle East, whether it's in Ukraine, you know, is completely the doing of Joe Biden. You know, Iran correctly fears the United States military, as they should, but they do not fear them under the command of Joe Biden because they know he won't act. He is a weak leader. How many times have he, has he said, Iran knows not to, uh, to do anything, and then yet they turn around to do it? 
165 uh, attacks. We've got the, the three sol- fallen soldiers uh, from last weekend. We had the two SEALs that were killed, uh, you know, a few weeks back while on a mission. All of these things are directly, directly related to the weakness shown by Joe Biden. All right. That was Mark Lauder, America First Policy Institute, former special assistant to President Trump. Yeah. What you always hear about, too, is is these proxies. They have proxies do the dirty work for them. Uh, and you see it in politics. You see it in foreign policy all the time. Well, hey, you need a proxy force. You need somebody to do the dirty work for you. You've got a big project that you've been meeting to, to get done and tackle, but hey, maybe you haven't had time. Maybe you don't have the right equipment. Well, let me tell you, they've got the equipment. They can they can run the equipment for you, or they can rent the equipment to you. Uh, either way, let BD Equipment Services do the dirty work for you. Let them be your proxy. Uh, they've got backhoes, skid steers, mini excavators, scissor lifts, boom lifts, trailer rentals, you name it. And, uh, hey, you can call right now. You can get a free estimate for all of your demolition salvage work or any land uh, clearing projects etc call bd equipment 201-7711 bd equipment services 201-7711 your morning espresso starts right here it's the sean hannity morning minute so all these illegal immigrants on video beating the crap out of these cops that are not even able to defend themselves they get out no bail because it's New York State, no bail laws are in play. So they're immediately released to go back out and get involved in pickpocketing and I guess beating up more cops. And one guy gets out, you know, illegal immigrant, welcome to America. Yeah, and gives, you know, flips the bird two middle fingers on his way out of jail. You have squad Democrats like Cory Bush and Congresswoman Tlaib. Get this, they actually voted against a bill that would ban Hamas terrorists from the U.S. How do you justify that? How do you justify saying that Hamas terrorists, known terrorists, should be allowed in our country? The Sean Hannity Show, from coast to coast, later today. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Here is your Montana News. The forecast for the upcoming fire season in the state is not promising. An El Nino weather pattern is pushing most of the precipitation to the southern half of the continental U.S. That leads west for Montana and the northwest this winter and spring, followed by a hot and dry summer. Peter Christian with KGBO reports that the bark beetle infestation of 2008-15 killed half the trees in 5 million acres of national forest. Now, that deadfall will be fuel for any wildfire, significantly increasing the destruction. 
It should be noted that this projection is for public forest land. Privately owned forest areas where the owners cleared their property of dead brush and timber will probably see less risk of fire damage. Really? Mr. Christian's source for this analysis and outlook? Dr. Peter Kolb of the University of Montana School of Forestry and the MSU Extension. Nice studies available upon request. Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we got open lines Friday coming up in the 9 o'clock hour of the show. We'll have the phone lines open as we take you statewide from Plentywood to Missoula and all sorts of great towns in between. Uh, and, of course, we've got a, a lot of listeners online on our, our on our apps. KJJR has got a great app if you need one for your smartphone. We've got a Montana Talks app that you can message us on. Uh, so much more. Uh, check your local radio station for the app uh, of, of your choosing there. Uh, but before we get to open lines Friday... Jeff Lasloffy with the Montana Family Foundation uh, put together a great legislative update uh, this week. Here you go. On Wednesday, the Montana Supreme Court issued what's being called a novel ruling in a case arising from the 2021 legislative session. Rather than being novel, this is more a case of liberal lawyers on the Supreme Court lining the pockets of other left-leaning lawyers. It all began in the final days of the 21 session, when things historically and predictably get crazy. Senate Bill 319, a bill dealing with campaign finance laws, had passed the Senate, was amended in the House, and was subsequently sent to a free conference committee. As we've talked about in the past, free conference committees cause more angst than any other step in the legislative process. Unlike a normal conference committee, which only deals with the differences between the House and Senate versions of a bill, a free conference committee can basically rewrite a bill, and some bills that come out of free conference committees bear little resemblance to the bill that went in. In this case, two provisions were added to the bill. One dealt with judicial recusals and the other with campaigning on college campuses. The lawyers for the left argued that these provisions were added without proper input from the public. The lower court disagreed, but the Supreme Court, in a 5-2 decision, overruled the lower court and, in a novel move, said that the legislature must pay attorney fees. This is a classic separation of powers case where one branch of government is not allowed to tell the other branch how to conduct its business. In this case, the court found fault with a legislative process that's been the practice since Montana became a state, namely that public testimony is not allowed in conference committees or free conference committee hearings, the premise being that that the public comment already took place in the initial hearings on the bill. While it's true that the public does not get a chance to testify in the actual free conference committee hearing, public comment on the changes can and does take place. An army of lobbyists, ourselves included, are always standing by to buttonhole individual legislators and to give our opinion. Those arguments are then weighed at both the committee and full legislative chamber levels. To say that the public has no chance to comment is simply not true. In fact, more reasoned arguments can be made one-on-one with legislators outside of the hearing than can be made standing before the committee where testimony can be limited to as little as two minutes per person. 
In truth, testimony in a committee hearing has little impact on the outcome of a bill. It does help build a record of legislative intent should the bill later be challenged in court. But the truth is, 90% of the outcome of any legislative session is determined on election night. That's the hard reality. The party that controls the process controls the outcome. Those challenging Senate Bill 319 are simply mad that they lost the vote. They're using the fact that they didn't get to testify as an excuse, but the truth is, they did get to testify. They made their opinions known through private conversations, text messages, and emails to members of the committee and to both legislative bodies as a whole, who then repeated those concerns in the committee and during floor debate in the House and Senate. This Supreme Court opinion violates the separation of powers. That's bad enough. But then to take the unprecedented move of awarding monetary damages to the plaintiffs simply adds insult to injury. As we've said, this decision is less about righting a wrong and more about left-leaning lawyers lining the pockets of left-leaning lawyers at taxpayer expense. For the Montana Family Foundation, this is Jeff Lasloffy reminding you that this government is your government and your input does make a difference. Contact the Montana Family Foundation at 406-628-1141 or on the web at montanafamily.org. Wow, what a great update there by Jeff Lasloffy. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Steve Fitzpatrick out of Great Falls also has a uh, an important response uh, to that ruling as well. We'll get to that and more. Open Lines Friday, Montana Talk statewide right after this. This is the Montana Economic Minute. It was once said that the job of the Federal Reserve Bank in managing the economy is to take the punch bowl away just as the party gets rolling. That little joke reveals what's perhaps one of the biggest challenges for economic policy. Good policy is almost always unpopular, like bailing out banks, raising interest rates, or cutting back economic growth and pushing up unemployment. None of these actions are popular, but they've all proven necessary. The opposite is true as well. Bad economic policy is often tremendously popular. Sadly, it's all around us. Deficit spending by the federal government is hugely popular. Think about it. Since 1974, the federal government has run an annual surplus exactly four times. Over that same period, the re-election rate for the U.S. House of Representatives has dipped below 90% only twice. Cash payments from the government were popular, too. And we've seen what they've done to inflation. I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. <laughs> 